You're listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 138. Mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Lindsay Wilson, former WNBA player and mental performance coach, to talk about the power of mental performance training and how it enhanced her collegiate and professional basketball career. Lindsay is one of the most decorated athletes at Iowa State University, earning two Big 12 championships, a regular season championship, two Sweet 16 appearances, selected as an honorable All-American, named three-time All-Big 12 conference player, second all-time leading scorer, and all-time assist leader, which led her to be drafted into the WNBA. None of these accolades could be accomplished if it wasn't for her relentlessness towards her mental game. Tune into this elite athlete turned mental performance coach and how her company, Positive Performance, is affecting athletes and coaches at all levels. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely, anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. You're interested in a full-body resistance training system to achieve your athletic and fitness goals? The Mass Suit from Juke Performance is your answer. The Mass Suit is a full body resistance training suit that you wear during your exercising or sports specific training to enhance your speed, strength, power, agility, and endurance. You are fully mobile and it's great for plyometric and high intensity training. It engages all muscle groups simultaneously and increases to a 50% caloric burn. Check out the Mass Suit at jukeperformance.com and other fitness-related products, and make sure to use the promo code GRANTPAR, one word, G-R-A-N-T-P-A-R-R, for your 10% discount. Hey, Lindsay, how are you? Hi, Grant. Thanks for having me. I'm good. Really good. All right. Well, I'm I'm super excited to have you on my show uh, to talk with a peer and another person that does what I do and I do what you do and and uh, your athletic background which is I can't wait to talk about just your mindset as an elite basketball player and how that actually translated into what you're doing now being a mental performance coach and affecting coaches and athletes and teams so I'm really excited to talk to talk to you about your whole journey yeah well let's just not give any years and then we'll be fine <laughs> every time i think about how long it was i was like no it wasn't it was like a couple of years ago but nope it was longer than that <laughs> isn't that funny just time goes by because i feel yeah. like my football career was just yesterday and it was 37 years ago <laughs> yeah that's insane <laughs> well so let's get into it let's get into something that you and i actually we we teach all the time to athletes and I'm really, under, really interested to, to kind of understand how you look at mental toughness. So when you think about the word mental toughness, what does that mean to you? You know, I think this is a, such a good question because I think everybody can have sort of their own definition, but it's so important to have a definition. I notice, like when I'm working with teams and, and athletes, like that, that term is thrown around so much. Right. And sometimes you're like, 
you know, in a huddle and, and coaches are talking about mental toughness and you know that like people don't even really know what they're talking about, like not from a tangible standpoint. And so for me, I really think about mental toughness, feeling and believing that you're bigger than the challenge in front of you. Um, because I think that it's not about necessarily how you are today or, or how good you are in any particular arena. It's a, it's about being and having that growth mentality, being, you know, de dealing with failure, being resilient, all those things sort of wrapped up into one. And ultimately I do believe that it's about believing that you are bigger than the challenge, whatever that challenge is. Absolutely. And when you think about your career, uh, I can only imagine how many challenges that you had to endure and face. Uh, can you reflect on your career and just pick out that one specific time that stands out in your career where you had to be mentally tough? Yeah, I was actually on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and someone was asking me something similar. And I remember, you know, I learned mental training at a really young age. I had um, Peter Schmack, who does the Life Athlete podcast. He actually coached me when I was 12 and he had been coached by Bill Bowerman and who was way ahead of his time. With the Olympic athletes, he was at Oregon, and he was an Olympic shot putter, my, my coach. And so I learned visualization and mindfulness at a really young age. It didn't quite stick at that point, but then at 16, I was really at a breaking point in my career, which, which sounds very dramatic, except that all of us know, like, you have a pretty small window to get recruited to get to the next level, and once that door is shut, it is shut. And at 16, that's kind of when it happens, at least for basketball. And I, I was definitely at a crossroads. And literally, you know, looking at like that parallel life without mental training, I wouldn't have gotten to that level. And so fast forward, I was playing professionally and a lot happened in those eight years or so from 16 to, you know, my mid twenties when I was playing professionally in Greece. And I remember specifically, I had learned so much about mental training and I'd gone back to it time and time again. And I was getting to that next level. I was learning hypnosis and about meditation again and Zen and flow and all those types of things that, that you and I nerd out on. Um, but I was doing it in a, in a very real life, you know, every day I was practicing and not just reading about it. So that was a pretty awesome opportunity. But I remember specifically, you know, again, I was in my mid twenties and I was, you know, getting paid to play basketball, which is like as cool as it sounds. Like every time I got a paycheck, I was like, holy you know, they're actually paying me like, wow, it wasn't a lot, but it was still money. And it was a lot to me. And so I remember we were, I think the game was tied and I had the ball on the left-hand side of the court and I was dribbling and I was about to cross over to the middle to do a like 15 foot jump shot, which is like bread and butter for me. Like that was like game winner. We were done. Right. And at least in my mind. <laughs> And instead, I dribbled it off my foot and turned the ball over. And the other team got it and immediately called a timeout. And I remember that just like, you know, F word, like, the, you know, like the whistle blows and you're just like, God, like, and then you have like the, all these thoughts, right? Like someone's paying me to do this. Like when, like you're getting paid to play basketball and you just dribbled the ball off your foot. Like everybody there thought you were going to win the game and you didn't. And we've all had those moments, right? Whether it's you, you blew a presentation or you bombed a test or you had a bad date, like that feeling of just like, I always say you're like going to get on the negative train. And, and that feels like a natural, unavoidable consequence of being in that situation, right? Like it feels like you have absolutely no agency to change your mindset in that moment. 
it feels overwhelming. It feels judgmental and it feels like the right thing to do. That's the, the other thing. It feels like that's how you should be feeling if you are a competitive person. And, and I'd been doing a lot of work and that was my test <laughs> to, to go into the huddle. And I did, I, I teach a mistake ritual. So I did my breathing and my mistake ritual and my word was, well, so I would take a deep breath and I would say, be present. And, and I, and I exhaled and then I went back on the court on defense. Right. And so I'm playing defense. And again, in a parallel universe, I would have just been so frustrated that I just blew the game that I would have fouled or just been like, okay, I'm going to try hard, but like, this is over, you know, instead I remember being, I literally remember this. This was like 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. I remember thinking I'm going to be in this moment. This is it. And I got back on defense and I remember stealing the ball and, and lobbing it to my teammate who was like on a fast break layup and she got a layup, a wide open layup by herself with zero seconds left or, you know, 0.1, whatever. And so we won the game, which is obviously a great story. It's always great to talk about winning. I don't know if I would remember it if we didn't win, but, but still that wasn't the point, right? Like the point was in that moment, everything that I had learned, everything that I had, that I now teach, I got to actually practice when a, literally a game was on the line. And so that's definitely one that I think back and I, I couldn't have done that without mental training. Like there's no way. Right. Right. You, you know, it's funny. You, you bring up some memories while you're talking uh, because I, like you, I had, a, I had a father that actually introduced this work to me when I was about 10. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, so breathing, visualization, self-talk, all that. He was, he was, and, and no one taught him. He just read about it. So, yeah. and so he was introducing it and he coached my brother and I, all throughout high school. So it was something that was a part of my fabric. But yeah. the interesting thing is that in high school, when I look back at the, what was the game or the moment where I, I tapped into my mental skills, that it was my junior year. And it was that moment. So it was early in my career. Now, that my worst game in my entire life was my last season of football, which is my junior year in college. And I didn't have a mental game at all because I totally abandoned everything because I didn't feel good and I was sick and I already went into it thinking that I was going to, I wasn't going to do well. And I didn't do well. I mean, I, it was the worst game of my entire life, but it's because, so it's one of those things when you look at the work that we do, it's, it's an ongoing process. I mean, I had the best game of my life early in my career because of my mental skills, but I had the worst yeah. game of my life later, you know? So, yeah. um, so that's why I always, when I talk about this work, it's, it's a lifelong journey. It's, it's a commitment. Oh, for we, sure. We have to connect to, right? Yeah. And you, you, talk, you talked a little bit about when you were younger, didn't know if it was like it didn't stick, like, mm -hmm. and it makes sense. But do you feel like when you're working with high school athletes or even youth, do you feel like it's more of an introductory experience for them? Or, I mean, I know it's different from, from athlete to athlete. I think it really depends on how serious they are about their sport and um, some of this goes into them and their personality, their age, but it also can be the sport because I, in my experience, they have to have hit the mental wall. Like you could introduce things when they're younger, but they're still having fun, which they should be having fun their entire career. But oh. you know, there is a point in, in a sports career where their pressure starts. Maybe you're thinking about making it pro or making it to college, or you feel you, the parents are spending a lot more money. So that pressure starts or there's a peer pressure or whatever it is, you hit a mental wall. Everybody does. I would say things like golf, they maybe hit it a little bit earlier yeah. than maybe a, a sport that you can hide a little bit more like basketball, you know, but at some point they're going to hit it. 
And when they do, we're ready. You and I are ready, right? right. Um, but getting them before that is great. But I don't think you're going to get their attention as much because they're not going to have seen what, it's, what happens when they are not prepared, which is fine. You right. know, they'll, they maybe come back to it later or hopefully it's a, you know, it's a coach that reinforces it and they just think of it like stretching. Like everybody does. Doesn't everybody do this? I love when that happens. <laughs> We're just happening more and more. So I don't think there's an age that you can't start it, but I think, um, you know, when they're in pain is a great time <laughs> to introduce it. Exactly. You know, exactly. so. Especially when they want to come up to you and say, um, how do I get back to being confident in the middle of a game when I screw up? You know, yeah. like that's when they, when, when they become very vulnerable, you know, fear of failure yeah. dealing with mistakes and all totally. that. Um, which I, that's the stuff, man. Cause I went through it and I, and I went through it alone. Yeah. Um, and so if I could be that, that, that guide, um, totally. and it's just, I don't know. I, I know you know this and I can, I can tell it, you know, since we were talking about this before the show, this work, there's a frequency to it. And when someone, when I see it work or when I see someone bought in, that's the thing. Like when someone asks me, Hey, what's, what's the biggest, or what's the best thing about your job? Well, it's when an athlete, a team or a coach is bought in. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care. They're not seeing results, but they're just bought into it and they're trusting the process to me, man. I started breakdancing inside. Like I, yeah. I feel it. I love it. Well, because you know, like if you've experienced this um, for yourself, you know that it's, there is a shift in my experience that can come really immediately. It, it doesn't have, it's not like, you know, therapy where you have to have breakthroughs, maybe, I don't really know, but you know, for us, it really can happen right away. And, and I think the main thing when the light bulb goes off that someone understands that they are in control of their mindset, their thoughts, how they feel about things, how they react to things. Yeah. Like talk about an empowering lifelong, like it's like a, flip you know like it's like there's just switch this flip and all of a sudden they realize they're not a victim they're not just you know life isn't just happening to them that they get to decide and they're gonna have to keep deciding it's not like it's easy but <laughs> that idea is I, I, I just I, I agree with you like when that happens and sometimes it's an adult it's not like you you know it's only kids that need to, to understand that or okay. maybe some adults need to relearn it but yeah, I agree. That's pretty, I mean, that's what motivates us, right? Like for someone to understand that is really, it's, it's life-changing, like totally. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I always say this about my job because I'm human. Like I'm not perfect. Like I, I have shitty days. Like I, there's, there's times where I get in my head or sometimes like, um, I forget the things that I'm teaching my clients. And, uh, so I always have to remind myself to be my work. And the more that I'm being my work, because I, I got to, if I'm going to teach you, I got to be yeah. doing stuff. Um, you know, in our, um, it's a really good point. And, you know, I think for myself, I, I've always known that for myself as a mindset coach, but earlier in my career, I would very much go into teams and, you know, I don't know if it was like an insecurity thing for me, but I would go, I'd be working with like top teams in the country. And I'd be at Stanford and Alabama and Oklahoma and I would sort of allow the coaches to just give it to their athletes, right? Like I'm going to come in, I'm going to be the expert and I will teach it to them. But honestly, now I'm like, it starts with the coach, period, end of story. Like if they are, you know, I always give the example of like, they can tell their athletes to be calm under pressure all day long. And they are like freaked out about their job. They're drinking 10 diet Cokes a day recruiting like their family and then they come into the huddle and they're just like everybody relax you know and it's like 
It does. It starts with, it starts with us as coaches. It starts with the actual sports coaches if they have them. Yeah. And, um, you know, in, in our certification, we spend the whole first month, our coaches have to learn this stuff for themselves. And by the way, I go through every time I teach it, I go through it too, because yeah. I very much believe you have to hold the mirror up. You have to teach yourself. You have to be an example of what is possible because if you don't, it, it really does, um, it affects how you teach too. You know, I think it affects the authenticity. Um, people can smell bullshit like a mile away, totally. even if it's a little bit. Even just a little bit. Right. And so I, I a thousand percent agree with you. And I get off track all the time, all the time, and have to bring myself back. Right. So I think that's a really good point. <laughs> totally. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. So let's, um, let's get into your mindset as, as an athlete. And before I get into some of these questions, uh, your, your background, not only your professional background uh, is impressive, um, but I'm going to start with your, your, your collegiate, which you know, when you played at uh, Iowa State University, you won two Big 12 championships, a regular season championship. You went to sweet, uh, two Sweet 16 appearances. Uh, you were selected honorable uh, All-American. You were named three-time All-Big 12 conference player, second all-time leading scorer, uh, all-time assist leader, uh, which all of that led you to be drafted uh, WNBA. So when you think about all that success, right, what do you think is your biggest mental win? And what do you think is your, your biggest mental fail? Um, that's a good question. My biggest mental win, you know, I was 5'9". I had some athletic ability, but there was no, like, punch card for me playing at that level, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to say I was slow and unathletic. I certainly was, and I had some skill to work with. But... For me to get to that level and be successful was very much a mental game. I was a really hard worker. You know, I mean, I, I always say, like, you have to have some skill. You don't have to have the best skill, but you have to have some skill right. and talent. You know, you have to, you know, be able to run and that kind of thing. And then you have to work really hard. But I had those two things and it wasn't happening. And so it was only when I, I really got the mental component that things really shifted for me. And, you know, I think going from the getting recruited one is a big thing, but then you show up and you're the worst on the team. I mean, you know, you play, you played at, at that level. Like you go from being the star athlete in college or high school to the worst in, in college and you have to fight your way up. You know, they almost redshirted me my junior, my freshman year because I was like, what just happened? Like I had just gotten like punched in the face practically, you know, and had to then just double down, like just keep working. Like you said, trust the process, like show up, just do the work and keep believing. And I think that idea of like suspending reality and keep believing in this, because I saw teammates that didn't, weren't able to sort of keep the dream alive, right? Like you think you're going to have this great college career and then you show up on campus. And like I said, you are literally probably the worst person there. And can you keep that belief alive that you are going to be, you know, uh, in the big 12 and playing on national TV and the starting point guard at some point when it's not happening day to day, it is not happening. You're almost getting redshirted. <laughs> you know, can you keep working hard? Can you keep, keep investing? Can you keep pushing? Even though you don't know if it's going to work out, there's no guarantee that just because you work hard and have a strong mental game that it's going to happen. Right. There's no guarantee. Some of it's recruiting. Some of it's, does the coach like you? Some of it's, you know, you had one great game when someone got injured and you were ready, you know, like there are so many factors that go into it. 
and believing that that if you get the opportunity that you're going to get to that level and just knowing that it might not happen can you keep the dream alive and and I did and that's so why I was I was very uh maybe in some of that's just stubbornness I think so that would probably be I guess I don't know if that's what you're asking but <laughs> that's probably the, the on the positive um and and maybe again on the positive my senior year we were the the worst team that had been at my university for 10 plus years we had a losing record we lost at home for the first time uh i think since my coach had been there like it was it was really really hard we lost all the time i mean it was just from a mental standpoint that was a really big challenge again to kind of keep showing up and keep fighting and keep pushing when you think your senior year is going to be the best, you know, you, right. we had, we had done everything my first three years and all of a sudden it's my team and we're the worst. Well, that's a shitty feeling. Sorry, excuse my language, but that's that was good. really, that was really hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it, I mean, those are the times that you get tested and those, you know, make you into a better coach and make you more empathetic to people that are struggling and, and really shows a lot about you, you know, can you keep trying and keep pushing and, all those sorts of things when it's really not working out. We just lost all the time. I mean, it was just like, yeah, it was really hard. <laughs> you know, and, and I've seen that with, with athletes that um, throughout a majority or majority of their career or through, you know, a couple years in a row, they're just used to winning. And so mm -hmm. when, when it's time to, to lose, it's, they don't know how to lose. Yeah. And, and again, trust me, I would love to win my whole career, but I swear to you, in youth football, I played six years. I think I won about six games. Yeah. So I learned at a young age how to lose. So mm -hmm. winning was like this thing. When I started to win, I was like, oh, this is, and I cherished every win. I, mm -hmm. I really did. But I think when you see people, when they experience loss for the first time consistently, it could really mentally get you out of sorts. And, and with that being your senior year, did any of that affect your confidence going into the, the WNBA at all? Or That's did a good you question. I don't know. I don't think so. But, I mean, the, the, the WNBA was a whole nother sort of um, thing. You know, I mean, I, I failed a lot at the WNBA level. You know, I mean, one, looking back, I can recognize it is, it is extremely difficult. You know, at that point, there was, I think, 10 teams Everybody had, they had just cut the roster sizes. Everybody had 10 players and I think two reserve or something like that. Yeah. And so, you know, you think about the turnover for, there would be one or two spots on each one of those teams. So you have to get into the right training camp. Then you have to take like a veterans position and you go through training camp. And so looking back, I can recognize just how difficult it was, but you know, going out of, coming out of college, I was like, of course I'm going to make the WNBA. I'm one of the best point guards in the country. Like that's going to happen. And sure enough, it did not happen, <laughs> you know, and, and, but, you know, I, I really look back and I'd say, I tried, I, I went to training camps. I would call up coaches. Like I, I did the actions that are needed to try to make that happen. And you have to live with the results if it doesn't. And I thought if I didn't make the WNBA, like, what am I doing in my life? And I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay now, right. <laughs> but that disappointment was real deal. And like I said, I mean, can you have those dreams and have those aspirations and suspend the idea that, that it's not going to happen right away. And, and the fact is like, 
it, it didn't happen. <laughs> You know, right. in, in college, it did happen. Like my, my goals came true, you know, like I played at that level. We were really good. We won championships. I was on a bunch of all American, like all of the stuff that I believed and saw and visualized all those years happened. And on the WNBA side, it did not, you know, and that's, that's the cost of doing business. That's life. And at the time, like I said, I thought, well, and then I, and I had also wrapped up all these other things like, well, I can't be a mindset coach if this didn't, this process didn't actually work for me getting in the WNBA, nobody's going to listen to me. And now I'm like, that's the reason people listen to me is because I've also failed. You know? <laughs> like, but that's youth, I guess, you know, I, I love it that you brought that up because even though I felt, I felt pretty good reflecting my career, but my last, my last season was the worst season in my entire life. So when I started talking about being a mental performance coach and writing my book and yeah. I, for whatever reason, I was always going back. Well, those people that played with me that last season, I was like, I was defining my whole existence off that last season. Yeah. Are they going to think that I'm a fraud because I really wasn't that good? Right. Um, but I let, I let that go. I had to let that go to move on. Yeah. Um, but, and I do want to, in a second, I do want to talk about that transition out of sport because everyone has to go through, especially like someone like you mm-hmm. that had dedicated at that elite level. You know, yeah. there's things that you go through when you leave the sport. Yes. Uh, but before we get into that, can you just share with my listeners, like, what was it like when you got drafted? Like that moment where you, you, you had a successful collegiate career, you worked your tail off all the way up, you're, you're, you're seeing your dream. Mm-hmm. Like, what was it like when you got drafted? Um, yeah, it was really exciting. I mean, I think um, I knew that it was challenging to make a, a team, you know, to get invited into a training camp. And I, I was third, I think I was third round. Um, so there was no guarantees, but I, I remember thinking like, this is of course going to date me. But when I first got really serious about playing at the collegiate level, I the, like the WNBA had just started. Like, I think I was about 12. There was something prior to that a women's league that had then folded. And so like my whole childhood, there was like, is there even going to be an opportunity to play professionally? You know, because I, at 12, so the fast forward 10 years, the WNBA was still there. That's when I got drafted. That's not that long. Right. So, you know, when I started, first started playing basketball, it sounds crazy now. There was no women's league in America. You know, there was, there was no options for playing. So, like, when I was little, I dreamed of being Michael Jordan. That's, that's how it was, right? Yeah. And then later, you know, when I was about 12, that was, like, the dream team with, like, Cheryl Swoops and Rebecca Lobo and Lisa Leslie and some of those, like, more household names. But that was you know, not that long before then I was, and some of those women were on my team. When I got drafted, I remember being at the table like, oh my God, I watched you play in the Olympics when they first did the WNBA. And women were like, yeah, thanks. That makes me feel old, but cool. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, so that was really cool because there was no guarantee that I was going to make it. There was no guarantee that there was even going to be a league for women. So just to be a part of that um, in my small way was really cool. That's awesome. Well, you've been, when you played, um, you were labeled as just relentless the way that you played. Where did that come from? What motivated you to be so relentless on the court? And how did that relentlessness like transfer or transition into what you're doing now outside of sport? Yeah. You know, I think this kind of goes back to people are always like, well, is it nature versus nurture? Or, you know, like, where does that competitive fire come from? And I do think that it's both. I think that I have more of a 
stronger personality. I had two older brothers. Um, I have strong women in my family. Like I think that all goes into it. But I will also say that I almost lost it. You know, I think that our personalities and what, how we are, allow ourselves to show up in the world, it snowballs or it gets like put out. And, and I, I don't think that I would have ever just sort of like lived a small, small life. I think it would have been somewhere in between, right? Like, but I know that at 16, I was struggling with, I didn't have like a eating disorder or anything like that, but like the general, like women changes at high school and like, I don't know about my body and like, I don't know, should I be going for this thing? And uh, do people really like me? And like, I don't know if I can let myself be relentless. And it wasn't a conscious thing. It, and that's why I'm so grateful for mental training because it was kind of like this fork in the road. Like I'm either going to go for my dreams. And I actually remember having this conversation with my coach. Like I'm either going to go for my dreams and those people that are trying to hold me back are going to buy tickets to watch me play, or they're going to watch me play on ESPN. Like that's, that's one path. Yeah. Or I'm going to try to please everybody. And that's another path. <laughs> and that's, you know, that sounds sort of like, I don't know, hard nose or something, but it, um, I, it, it came down to that sort of being simple for me. But again, I can look back and think like that wasn't guaranteed. And so I think being relentless, I think that's part of our job sometimes as coaches um, and as parents is to make a space that's safe for people to be able to show all that they can be. Totally. I don't think that it's just nature. I think that there's a lot of people that have that in them. And, and there, there's all people that maybe that's not their tendency. That, I think that's true as well. Yeah. But someone made it safe for me to be that way. Someone made it safe for me to be relentless. And once I saw that open, I was like, like sayonara, like I'm off. <laughs> and um, yeah. And, and that's something I'm really proud of more than any of the other accolades is that um, people thought that about me because that's really what I wanted to be on the court. That's awesome. That's awesome. And when you left the game of basketball, did you already know that like the path of being a, a mindset coach, like, was, did you already know that or, and what was that transition like when you left the game that you just love so much? I know you still love it, but. Yeah. Oh man. Love, love, love it. Um, well, I mean, I don't know how long you've been done doing this, but this was 15, 16 years ago. Like nobody was telling you like you could be a mindset coach. I don't even know if that was like a real career. Right. Uh, um, I remember I had, a. Uh, um, a man I knew, Jeff Jansen, and I remember he, he, he's written some books in the sports world, and he always said, figure out what you love to do and then figure out how to get somebody to pay you for it. And I was like, huh, okay. That sounds like great advice. But I was still playing, right? right? So I knew I was interested in this, and there was no online courses. So I was like, okay, should I like go get my PhD? I don't really know what I'm doing with any of this. But I did know, I was very clear about this, that people needed to learn what I had learned because I saw so many people around me struggle because they didn't know how to control their thoughts. They didn't know about positive self-talk. They didn't know how to visualize. They were just like showing up every day, trying their best. And like, it was not working. Right. And so, um, I started with doing just some camps for younger, um, really girls, like high school girls, middle school, high school girls in my college town. Cause I'd come back in the summer and I was like, well, I'm just going to teach them about confidence and positive self-talk and to empower the next generation. And that was awesome. And then I got a mentor that uh, taught me about hypnosis and I'm a big believer in when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And that has been true in my life, like, so often. And I was just sort of, like, having conversations with people about this. Like, what is this thing? Can I do it? Can I make money at it? And I started working with my mentor, James Hollingsworth, 
and he, he taught me hypnosis. And I just started working with teams. I would just call up coaches that I knew either that had coached me or I played against. And I, and I put a curriculum together probably after I sold it. Now that I think about it. And I was like, Hey, can I come talk to your team about X, Y, Z, you know, about mental training and mental toughness. And they let me. And the biggest response I got was why have I not learned this before? Which is exactly how I felt when I learned it. And so I just kind of kept going. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I knew about the mental training, but as far as like building a business and like, I didn't know what I was doing, right. but I did feel pretty strongly that I needed to pay it forward because like I said, I had that fork in the road and I, I knew my life had not, would, had not been the same if I hadn't learned mental training. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I felt the same way too at the very beginning when I started my company and I knew, I knew how to teach it, but like everything else, I would just, I was like, well, for me to be successful, I have to, I have to fail or I have to have mistakes. Uh, so I, I'm, so I allowed myself to, I gave myself space to do that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's been five years or so. So when I look back at the growth and all that, because I've allowed that space, I've allowed myself to, to screw up and make mistakes and, and do the wrong things. Um, mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, like failing sucks. Like mistakes, they suck, but just getting a lesson from it, right? And know yeah. it's part of the, the journey and the path. And, um, and, you know, depending on the person and the situation, sometimes when I'm working with athletes and they, they do make a mistake, I'm like, let's celebrate. And they're looking at me like, what the, f you want me to celebrate that? Well, yeah. get the lesson from it. Yeah. That's, that's all you can do, right? I mean, yeah. the things you can do, but, but it's just yeah. it, the things that I have, my own experiences and the things that I have picked up over this journey. It's just, it's uh, the fact that I can actually have an athlete look at a mistake differently in the moment. Is right. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm also passionate about, you know, our mindset coach certification students, because there's a lot of people that want to be mindset coaches. And I think when I started, I'm not, I think it was a little early as far as like, there was a little education that needed to happen there. The coaches that were on board were on board, but it wasn't like a like common thing, right? And the people that were doing it, I think, didn't really talk about it. And so there wasn't like this collective mindset of like, you know, everybody does mental training because that's part of sports. And so, but now I, the, we do have that. And so there's a lot of people in our community that want to be mindset coaches and they are passionate about mindset coaches, but they don't know how to service. They don't know how to actually deliver, you know, what they know. And they don't know how to price it or package it or build a business. And so they're just kind of sitting on the sidelines. And there's a lot of athletes and pe people in general that can benefit from mindset coaching. And so we certify other coaches now. And, you know, we only started that like three years ago because prior to that, I was like, can, can they actually make money at it? I don't want to certify people if there's not like a market for this. Right. And, and then all of a sudden, like mindfulness blew up and everybody's talking about mindset and Everybody's into Carol Dweck and like, you know, we're at a good place now yeah. for this to be a viable career for many people. And so anyway, we help people try to not make so many mistakes. Cause when I started, there really weren't a lot of like, I didn't have a lot of mentors in this space to help me, um, you know, avoid some of the landmines. <laughs> if I, if I had you or me when I was playing, it would be completely different. Yeah. <laughs> it would yeah. for sure. Now, and I know you've talked about your programs. Um, so just like in short, just share with, you know, my listeners about positive performance, all the things you guys do um, so they can have just a better understanding of like the greatness that comes out of your, your teachings. Yeah. So our main focus right now is on coaching coaches 
to take mental training to their teams. And we have online courses and um, like a complete system that they can implement with their team. Because the philosophy there is most people really can't afford us, right? Like they, most teams, most athletic teams, even at the collegiate level, can't really afford to have an expert come in. They can't really afford to have a full-time mindset coach or sports psychologist. And so it is often left up to the coaches to deliver that. But it's not rocket science. They can actually deliver it. Right. And so we have online courses and a complete system that they can just sort of plug and play. And of course it takes work, but it's, it's all laid out for them in a really easy to follow system. And then um, the other thing that we do is uh, we certify other mindset coaches. So again, a lot of people come and they say, I want to start a business, but I don't, I'm passionate about mindset. You know, they probably eat up your podcast and everything you write and everything I do. And, but they don't know how to do it themselves, but they know that there's a need. Maybe they're already a skill coach and they want to add that. Maybe they're in fitness and they want to add mental coaching to their existing service offerings or what have you, or they just want to be the mental training coach for their team. And so we actually certify other people in our methods to be mental training coaches. And then we have a follow-up mastermind where we actually help people build their business. So we also have online courses. So if you have any parents that are interested in getting their, you know, online training, mental training for their athletes, we have um, a lot of online courses. I would say the main, the main ones are, we have one called Mastering Your Self-Talk. And so athletes can really learn about positive self-talk. And then the other one is all about pre, during, and post-competition routines. And that is really a strong way to start because a lot of people don't have those. And they really can make the difference between feeling in control on game day and just sort of like waiting to see what happens, which is kind of on your heels and really dependent on, you know, for, as a basketball player, there, a lot of people are just sort of dependent on those first couple shots, right? Like if those go in, whew, it's going to be a good day. Yeah. And if they don't, you know, even parents are like in the sidelines, like, oh God, here we go, you know? And so getting some solid routines is really a, a great place to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before uh, I plug more of your company and how people can connect with you on social media, uh, and I love asking this question, um, it's, it's around reflection. So, you know, when you think about your whole career as an athlete, also as a mindset coach, man, even as a mother um, and a wife, like, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? Hmm. I feel like I need to do some journaling on that one. (laughs) Going deep. (laughs) No, it's good. I mean, we, we do so much of this in, I'm right in the middle of my, my um, certification right now. And I do all of it. So like, I'll send out journaling prompts. I'm like, well, if I'm going to send that out, I should probably do that. Um, So this would be a good one. Um, You said, what have I learned the most? Is that that was the question? Mm -hmm. Um, I think what I've learned the most is that, um, there's a lot of things, but I'll go with this, that I'm not my thoughts. Similar to what I said in the beginning, as far as like, I get to control how I feel about things. I get to control how I act or react. I get to decide how I think about things that, and then in fact, that is the only thing I control often. You know, and I think when you talk about like the thing that really, um, moves from all aspects of your life from, you know, being in the middle of a game on the free throw line to a test, to dating, to being a mom and having a dirty house and wanting to be mad at my husband and my business, like the things that go, you know, sort of thread through all of that really is my ability to control my thoughts. Totally. 
and that is, and, and to your point, that is a lifelong process. And some days I get it really right. And there are many days when I totally screw it up. Um, but just knowing that and going back to that and kind of stepping back as a coach and coaching myself and saying, what thought did I, you know, cause again, you always think that you are your thoughts, that you have no control, that emotions just kind of come and there's nothing you can do about it. And those times test us, but the more, the more I get tested and the more I kind of go back to, even when I screw it up, that's the thing that I go back to. And it, it's a, it's a fun thing too, but it's also, sometimes you're like, well, I want to be my thoughts right now. I want to, <laughs> I want to feel sorry for myself or I want to be really pissed or whatever. And, and that's part of the growth too. Totally. And um, yeah, so that, I would say that. That's cool. You know, and, and it's funny that you say that because there's, you know, there's moments where I know I'm feeling funky and, and I know that, you know, the negative self-talk is going, but, and I know it, like I'm, I'm totally aware the shit's happening right now. Like mm -hmm. I'm going down the wrong road right now, yeah. but I just ask myself, well, how long do I want to be here? Yeah. And that's where, that's and again, build self-awareness, right? You have to have enough self-awareness, but, but there's sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I'm okay being negative right now. I, I'm going to be mm -hmm. human. I'm going to let this in a little bit. Yeah. I just can't stay here for a long time. <laughs> I think that's a really good point because, you know, especially now with, I don't know when you're going to post this, but with everything going on, like we yeah. all have days where it feels like the wave of the world sort of comes over us. And I think sometimes you can say, well, why am I anxious or why am I, you know, I'm in control of my thoughts. And you can kind of get into that, like, well, I shouldn't be feeling this. And it's like working on your mindset doesn't mean you're happy all the time. Right. It just means you, like you said, you have that awareness of like, I could stay here forever or I can maybe go take a walk or call a loved one or like take some action. I think that's a big part of it too. We're not just sitting and meditating. You know? um, so I think that's a really good point. Cause I get into that sometimes too. Where I'm like, well, I teach this stuff, like suck it up, Right. which can be an okay message too, you know, but sometimes you do have to feel, you know, the, the, um, the funny thing is my wife, my wife, whenever I start getting grumpy or I start getting negative, she'll sit there and go, okay, mental performance coach. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, got it. Like, yeah. you know, she's just enforcing me and supporting me to be my work, you know, yeah. but like, just let me be, just let me be human sometimes. But, totally. You know? Yeah. I think we all have to be there, but I mean, the fact that you can even, but then, then it's not, that's not, you're being your thoughts. You're letting yourself feel, which I think is a, it seems like such a subtle shift and yet I think it can just be a really profound one. Yeah. It can really shift everything. I love it. I love, I love shifting and I love earlier what you said about turning on that switch. Mm -hmm. uh, I love switching things on, man. And, and there's so much power to that when you know how to do it and when to do it and when to switch it off too. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. So sure. how can, how can people find you on social media learn more about your company and all your services. So positiveperformancetraining.com. All of our courses are there. Um, our next certification will probably be in the fall, although I don't know. We just, we're in the middle of our spring uh, cohort right now, uh, spring to summer. And let's see, Lindsay Positive Perform on Instagram. And Facebook, we have a great coaches Facebook group, Positive Performance. If you go to a positive performance Facebook page, you can find our coaches group, sports coaches, and that's a pretty active Facebook group, which is pretty cool. People talk a lot about mental training there. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, Grant. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your, your mindset and your journey. Uh, and I know that my, my listeners are going to love this. And 
and I hope that they reach out to you and take your courses and connect with you. Um, yeah, this was awesome, man. I, re I really, really enjoyed you being on the show. Yeah, thanks for doing this. It's really nice to connect with you and all the great that you're, work that you're doing in the world as well. So keep it going. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye.